church. Good morning, my name is Shan Williams, and I have the privilege of being part of the elders team here. And I also get to do three-ish things. So I have organized all my notes into three categories, and I don't get the microphone often enough, so I get to start with a commercial. The elders team is fun. Really exciting time to be a part of our elders team. Um, lots of exciting things coming out of COVID. Pastor Simon coming. Um, just exciting things are happening, and I know the nominating committee is starting to meet. And so maybe you could be in prayer and thinking about uh, people who could join our elders team at this time. So that's first-ish thing. The second-ish thing is that you'll remember in November, we had a very exciting meeting here, and we overwhelmingly voted to support bringing Pastor Simon and his family to our church to be our lead pastor. So I wanted to give you an update on that, because lots have been has been happening. We put together a transition team, and they've been working with the Burren family and seeing what are the practical steps that need to happen to have them come here. So here's the update. I got my check mark so I can come. Um, okay. So uh, they've been working on things like the immigration, working with a lawyer. So they're working on that. They have that, they think, all worked out. So that's check. Um, there's a container. We're shipping a container of their belongings. It's coming to their house on March 6th and will begin its months-ish journey this direction. So that's coming. So March 6th, that happens. March 8th, the family... Uh, and two dogs uh, get on a plane and arrive in Vancouver. Nope, sixth is the container. The eighth, they arrive in Vancouver. Because of all the immigration things, uh, they won't be on the island until the ninth, but that's when we can welcome them and we can see them in our community here on March 9th, which is coming up very soon. We're very excited about that. So I don't know if you watched the news, but on January 1st, the government made an announcement about purchasing a home. Uh, for international people arriving in Canada. So that does mean uh, the law was they can't. They can't buy a house until they've lived here for two years. So that does affect their ability to buy a home, so they will be looking for a place to rent. Uh, in the meantime, they are moving into the house of Travis and Kim Weens. So Travis and Kim have moved out of town. They're still a part of our church community. They work at a really great kayaking lodge, uh, remotely. So their house is empty at the moment and unfurnished. So that's where the Byrne family is going to land uh, and come as they settle into the community. So I'll come back to that in a minute. Their girls are going to start school on the 27th. Uh, they arrive and it's in the middle of spring break. So it, they'll have a few weeks to get kind of situated uh, and figure things out, and then on the 27th of March, they begin school at Duncan Christian School. And at that point, then Simon, his first official start date here at the church is gonna be March 28th. Now, I don't think that's the first time we'll see him. In fact, I know he's hoping to preach and planning to preach and be a part of our community sooner than that, but the official start date here is March 28th. So that's the exciting update about uh, Pastor Simon and Irene and their girls and their dogs and their stuff and everything that's coming over. So um, that's the update. And we really want to thank our transition team for taking that on and working through all those details because it's a lot of details and they're not done. I'm sure there's going to be more details and we look to them to help us with that. Okay, so that was two. The third-ish thing is uh, how can you help? If you wanted to participate in that, uh, how, what are things that we could use? 
Uh, one is money. So moving someone over from um, the UK is, is not cheap. And although we have, uh, we understood it was in our budget and we've covered the cost of the move, uh, it does mean as an organization, when money goes one place, it doesn't go another place. So we are looking, if you are willing and able to donate any amount of money to help offset the cost of that, uh, that we can put into other ministries. Please, that would be lovely. We do appreciate that. Number two, um, when they arrive, there's a few things the transition team has said, okay, here are th some things we're looking for. We would love to have them be blessed with meals the first week they're here, just as a welcome, um, so they don't have to worry about that, and we can help them with their meals. So, meals. The other one is they're not going to have a car for a while, and so if you have a vehicle or know someone has a vehicle that maybe they could borrow until they can get... Uh, their own, maybe for a week, two, two weeks, three weeks, I don't know, month, two. I don't know how long that will be and how long that process will take, but we're looking for a car that they can borrow for when they arrive. And the third thing is, like I said, Travis and Kim's house is empty, so we do need to furnish that and uh, get it ready for them to come and live in. So we are um, looking to have someone coordinate that furniture loading into the house so we don't end up with 15 chairs and no couch, although that wouldn't be the worst. But you understand. So, someone, so we're looking for furniture for the house as well as I am looking for someone who is interested and willing to coordinate those two things, the meals and the furniture in the house. Uh, if you wanted to be part of that process and organizing what we need, maybe coming up with a list and then checking off what we have, that kind of thing. So that's my third thing. One, join our elders team or pray about who can. Two, the Byrne family, they're coming. It's exciting and how you can be involved. That's three, thanks. Uh, if you, I'm going to go back to the elders. Uh, if you, if you know somebody that you would like to nominate, uh, or maybe you are going, hey, I'm interested. Um, talk to Shannon. Uh, let her know. She didn't say that, but maybe implied. But uh, we want to, we want to say that. And, and I'm definitely excited that Simon is going to be coming. He, uh, he will arrive, and. Um, I'm going like, yes, uh, I, get to, uh, I get to spend more time with people, uh, and I like that, so that is fantastic. Speaking of people, excuse me, we do a community stories, and those are you folks and other things and other people, our missions, uh, mission people that we support, and, and so today's community story, I'm going to invite Lynn Zandi to come on up here to the stage. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you a mic, Lynn. There you go. Now, uh, I first met Lynn through an email. And I get this email, and it's from Lynn. And Lynn says, uh, your message today inspired me to write a poem. And so I read this poem, and I think, wow, this is amazing. And I replied back, thank you. And a few weeks later, maybe a month later, I get another email from Lynn, and she says, your message inspired me to write a poem. <laughs> wow. Well, I find that Lynn is uh, inspired to write a lot of poems. 
And I thought, I have, to, I have to meet this lady. I have to meet this gal. And then I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could have Lynn up here and share, uh, because there's got to be a story. There has to be a story with Lynn. She just didn't one day wake up and write a poem. There has to be a story. So I asked if Lynn would uh, come and share two things, her story with you, uh, how is she sitting up here, and then also a poem that she has written. So, Lynn. Thank you, Pastor Tool. <laughs> Pastor Scott. <clears throat> now, I, can I say one more yeah. thing? Is that uh, Lynn probably feels way more comfortable typing an email to me and saying, hey, your message inspired a poem than sitting up here. I am stretching her, and she yes. said yes. Yes. So. And God is going to give me the strength to do this. And, and, you know, Pastor Scott has really encouraged, and he's in faithful, and I thank him. Okay. Um, he asked me who I am, and I said, foremost, I'm a child of God, born in 1946 in Saskatoon to my loving parents. My father and his older brother left the Catholic seminary to join the RCAF in World War II. His brother and my mother lost their brothers. They died as pilots. Dad, a tail gunner, survived but suffered from PTSD. Apparently, though, joy arrived when I was born, and they moved west. As a war veteran, he was given land in Maple Bay, sorry, Maple uh, Mill Bay, and built a home. But under sad circumstances, we lost the home, and we traveled and did some more moving. Um, at 12, we moved to Oliver, where I met my future husband, Dick. Um, in grade seven class. Uh, we, we were riding the school bus daily and we became great friends. And after 64 years, we still are and it's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I, I met his parents when I was a scrawny, I mean scrawny, um, 15 year old. His dear mother, tried to fatten me up on her copious Dutch cooking. Uh, I remained skinny, but she enjoyed watching me tuck away so much of her delicious food. <laughs> I also started to tuck away uh, my thoughts of God and that mom and I had shared um, prayers and a smattering of church attendance. My poems and prayers stopped when thoughts of God arrived, I pushed them away immediately. After graduation, Dick and I moved to Vancouver. He lived in dorms, and I worked, and he was at UBC. And at 21, we married, and two years later, he became an engineer. At the same time, my parents divorced, and my father disappeared for 12 years. Um, I was heartbroken because we found him um, back in Saskatchewan. And <clears throat> luckily the family was able to visit with him the four months before he died at 60. 
before beginning Dick's career and my future, or our future family, we decided to do three months in Europe backpacking and Great Britain as well. Uh, then God gave us three precious children, Darren, Ryan, and Jenny. And through them, we have five grandchildren and one great-grandchild. During 30 years of work and moving, we lived in four BC mining towns and five years in the Philippines and 13 years in Australia, where Dick worked in Papua New Guinea. My spiritual journey began in Cairns, Australia, as an empty nester. Nestor, I asked myself, who am I now beyond a wife and a mother? With time alone, an unknown longing surfaced, contradicting my thoughts. I, we, have it all. I, we, have nothing more to need. While writing a poem with a child's yearning of love, pure and simple, I fell down sobbing, hugged by a feeling of complete love and acceptance of a flawed me. I did not know how or why this happened, a puzzle with nowhere to turn. Then Dick was transferred to Australia's Sydney office, and I began the puzzle. At 50, I decided to go to university to study psychology that would let me know what had happened. Uh, no answers, so I switched to philosophy and a school of Buddhism and meditation. Still no resolve. In 2001, we retired to Souk for 14 years of fishing and fog. <laughs> Dick asked if I would finish my degree. Nope, I'm going to Souk Baptist Church. I walked through the doors and above the altar was a banner. New beginning. I buckled and cried. More intimate moments with God began. After a year of sitting on the back pew, I approached Pastor Dwight. He graciously took on this new age, postmodern smarty pants, <laughs> for weekly studies for four years. Then some group theology classes followed for others and Dick and myself. Final, finally, puzzle pieces came together. Jesus was my answer. Jesus had walked me step by step to himself. Now I knew what my heart knew. It was Christ who loved and accepted me that day. Now I truly had it all, and I needed nothing more. Yoked with Jesus, I became a palliative care volunteer for 12 years and four years with the crisis care team. We moved again, downsizing to our home on Kwamachan Lake for seven years ago, and I joined the Welcoming New Life family. I prayed, I pray, Lord, that I will love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my mind, and love others as you love me. Thank you very much. I forgot. You have a poem. I do. I've got a million of them. 
I take joy, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. Being like Jesus, and this is from Pastor Scott, ever near Christ, your flame of love, burning deeply from above, fire that flares yet never fades to embers of darker shades. To know you now and always through life's byways. Thy love, a constant flame, gifted to me when you came. Dwell not in my mind alone, but be the soul you have shown. Abide forever in my heart. Teach me daily to do its part. Might my body on an altar be a sacrifice for holy thee. Ignited by grace and mercy to bear your image of humility. May your fire never perish. Sweep through me. I will cherish to do thy will, O precious Savior. Transform my heart with your favor. My hope erupts a steadfast flame, destroying pain of worthless shame. Infused with love in my soul, home in Christ, this I know. Oh, I'm done. Thank you, Alicia. Appreciate that very much. Um, you know, life can be extremely crazy, busy, fast, moving, and um, we can kind of just come to church that way as well. So it's good to be able to slow down a bit in prayer and worship, praise, remember, petition before the Lord. Hey, a little bit of what's happening, uh, what's coming up next. Next week, we have a mission organization that we support. It's International Justice Mission. They're going to be here next Sunday. They're going to be talking about what they do. Looking forward to, to having them here. Um, if you're not familiar with them, if you would just go and Google International Justice Mission, you'll find their website. You'll find what they do. They are a worthwhile mission organization that, that, that we support, and they do a work around the world. It, and it'll be a blessing to have them here. The other thing is, is uh, today's message and then uh, International Missions for Justice will be here. And in three more weeks of my series, and I'll be wrapping things up. Actually, Alicia will be wrapping things up. Uh, she's going to take the fourth one. And then we're going to uh, start some messages leading into Easter. With Easter week, we'll get all that information out. And then some messages after Easter will, will be happening. So Simon and I have been working together. We've got that all planned out for March, April, and into May. So that's kind of what's happening uh, coming up uh, in Sunday mornings and what's going on there. So over the last few months, we have been on this journey, the invitation to a journey. It's a journey that Jesus has invited us on when he said, come, follow me. Come, follow me was not something that was given to the disciples, but it was given to us today. Today, he is calling you, come, follow him. And it's an invitation to journey with him. And as we have talked about that, I think we've kind of hit some, some 
heavy topics or heavy, we've looked at some heavy things. We've, we've talked about the need for confession. We talked about the need for reflection. We talked about the need of, of getting our lives in order and, and, and finding a rule of life that would have us into this rhythm of what it means to follow Jesus, to be a princess of Jesus. And I've thought about that, and I thought about maybe where we are in our lives. At times, we can feel this heaviness. I want to talk about something today called celebration. Uh, a little bit more on the positive side, a little bit more on the yes, there's a lot to celebrate. Simon's coming, right? Come on, Simon's coming. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's, there's lots to celebrate. And I know that in our lives, sometimes in those darkest moments, it is hard to praise God. It is hard to find that space of celebration. How do we do that? Where does that come from? I've also learned that we can't always swim in the grief and the darkness. I use the analogy when I talk to people about their grief, and I say to them, if I put you out into the, the middle of the Pacific Ocean and I told you to tread water, how long could you tread water? And everybody's going to be a little bit different. The, 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 the conclusion is this, is that you and I cannot tread water forever. One, some point in time, we're going to say, that's it, I'm sinking. And when it comes to grief, when it comes to loss, when it comes to hardships in our lives, we cannot live in that forever. And that we have to have a break in it. And it's okay to have a break in it. And it's okay to laugh. It's okay to celebrate. And that's where I want to go this morning is I want to look at what does it look like to become like Jesus in celebration. I had a PowerPoint, but you know how sometimes the computer gremlins get you? So this morning, the computer gremlins got me. If you're wondering, like, why isn't there anything up there? Well, I had it all done. It just didn't happen. But as I thought about celebration, uh, I was thinking back to my high school days, 1980. Uh, that was my, my first year in high school, and there was a song that came out. It was a hit, number one song, and it, it was by the cool and the gang. I, I want to play a little clip for you, okay? You can come back to my era of 1980, celebration. Let's play that clip. Yeah, that's good, hey? probably 30 seconds too long than what you wanted to listen to. My wife is going, I can't believe he played that Sunday morning. 
And if you need to talk to Shannon afterwards, she's right over there. But, you know, I do believe that God does. I love that line. You know, come on and celebrate. He wants us to celebrate. And we need to celebrate. So what does it look like? What does celebration look like as one who is an apprentice, one who is following Jesus? I like what Dallas Willard says. I wish I had this quote up there. It says, he said that this way. He said, celebration is the, com- is the completion of worship, for it dwells on the greatness of God as shown in his goodness to us. We engage in celebration when we enjoy ourselves, our lives, and our world, this is important, in conjunction with our faith and confidence in his greatness, beauty, and goodness. We concentrate on our life and a world as God's work and as God's gift to us. That's celebration. It's him in the focal point. It's him in the center. And we're looking at our lives and we're examining our lives and we come to a place where we go, yes, God, you are great. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. Here we get this long and beautiful song that Moses writes after the children of Israel cross the Red Sea And God causes the Red Sea to come upon the Egyptians, and they are saved. And in that song, there's a line in there where it says that, For the Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and a rider have been thrown into the sea. But it's what happens afterwards. Is that not only do you have this song and you have this worship, but it's what happens afterwards that we see a celebration going on. Look at verse 20. This is why you need to bring your Bibles, because sometimes the PowerPoint doesn't work. And you're sitting here going, I don't know what you're reading. Oh, yes, amen. You got a Bible over there. Good. Um, You can always pull out your phone, too, and be distracted. Okay, so in verse 20, we get this. Marion, the prophetess and the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. What? It's in the Bible. And Marion sang the song, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. Can you, can you picture it? Can you picture this group of ladies with tambourines and beating? Yes, Megan, she can. Yeah, beating. And they're singing. They're singing this song. Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. And they're dancing and they're shouting and they're singing. They are celebrating. Amen. It's good. Celebration is good. Um, You can look at Judges 5. We're not going to look. It's a long chapter. But there's a celebration of victory. And it's, it's, uh, it's Deborah, the prophetess, and Barak, the commander. And, and they are celebrating the victory that God gave them over the king of Canaan. But if you will turn to 2 Samuel chapter 2. And here it's David. David in 2 Samuel has this uh, celebration that goes on. And it's happening because the Ark of the Covenant is coming back to the city. 
And so we read that in verse 5 of 2 Samuel 6, it says, David and all the house of Israel was celebrating before the Lord, or in, in a state of merriness, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals. And then it goes on to say that as they are bringing the, the, the ark back into Jerusalem, in verse 15, and so David, all the house of Israel, brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with sounds of horns, and the ark of the Lord came into the city. And David was leaping and dancing before the Lord. He was celebrating God. He was celebrating the ark. Look who God is. That's what celebration is. Again, Dallas Willard says, faith is its celebration sometimes becomes a delirious joy causing through our body, bodily being, when, excuse me, coursing through our bodily being when we really begin to see how great and lovely God is, how good he has been to us. David couldn't help himself but celebrate. I think of David celebrating. I think of here he is, he's a king. He's royal, he's majestic, he's, he's regal, he's prim, he's proper, nothing but that. I mean, the guy throws off his robe, and he is dancing, and he is shouting, and it's not because he's saying, look at me, I'm a great king. No, he's going, look at God. He's a great God. He is with us today. You know, we sing songs today. We sing a song, he... You know, I came, he came running out of the grave. What a beautiful song. What a wonderful song of celebration of, 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 of what God has done in us. That we came running out of that grave. We were dead. But he's made us alive. We're Baptist. Well, okay. You're here in a Baptist church. You may not claim yourself Baptist. Okay. Some of you, you don't want it, but you're here. And I, and I grew up mostly going to Baptist church. And, and I would say that there was a lot of this going on. You know, we sat on our hands because we couldn't do this much. And, and, and so my, my, I really had to force myself to kind of do a little bit more of this. And a little bit more of amen. And so I just want to practice that a little bit, okay? <laughs> All right? And we're not going to go. We're not going to go crazy. I'm not going to do hallelujah, okay? Because that might be too much. Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. So just on three, I just want to see. I, I, if we can just do this once, that would be great, okay? Oh my goodness. Siri is talking to me again. All right. On the count of three, I just want you to say amen. You know, as loud as you can, okay? All right? It's a, it's a shout of celebration to God. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Amen. Oh, that's fantastic. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good. Uh, I think we also can't forget that Jesus, in John chapter 2, we see him at a wedding feast. And he's celebrating. I've been to a lot of weddings, 
it's one of the privileges you get as a, as a pastor. You get, to, you get to conduct weddings, and then you get to be invited to the party. And it's fun, and it's celebration. And I don't think that Jesus, when he went there, sat on his hands at the, at, at the, the wedding feast. I think he was right involved. And Jewish people dance. And it might be hard for you to picture, but I believe Jesus was dancing. Crazy. But it's true. I really believe that. So celebration is so important in our lives. Celebrating coming out of hardship is also important. Psalm chapter 30. So turn to Psalm 30. And here is something that maybe many of you have memorized over the years or you've read it again and again, but, but I, I want to turn our hearts. And, and, and for the house churches, this is where you'll center. You'll, you'll park yourself in Psalm chapter 30 and go through some questions. But I'm going to look at verses 11 and 12 for this morning. And so 11 says this, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my loincloths and you have closed me with gladness. That my glory may sing of your praise and not be silent. O Lord, O my Lord, O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. You, you get this picture of the morning, but the morning has been turned into dancing. The loincloth, you would wear that in a state of mourning. You'd wear that in a, in a position of repentance. You would you'd wear this scratchy material. And he says, it's loosened and you have clothed me with your gladness. You've replaced this mourning for gladness. And I take the glory that I have, not my glory, but your glory, and I will sing praises. I cannot be silent and I will give thanks to you forever. As I said before, you and I cannot tread water forever. We can't live in hardship and despair and grieving all the time. It's not good for us. Grieving is good. We do need to grieve, but we can't live there all the time. Dallas Willard, you're going to say, man, you sure quote a lot from him. Yep. Dallas Willard says this. <laughs> Holy delight and joy is the great antidote to despair. I'll repeat that. Holy delight and joy is the great antidote to despair and is the wellspring of genuine gratitude. gratitude. The kind that starts at your toes, blasts off from your loins and your diaphragm through the top of your head, flinging out your eyes, your arms and your eyes up to the Lord in a voice upward towards our good God. I like that. What a beautiful picture. And celebration is something that builds in us. I can tell you, I don't wake up every morning. And maybe some of you have those people in your homes. They're not, it's not what I, I like to 
slowly kind of wake up, you know? Give me a cup of coffee. Once in a while, you'll get a, you'll get a rousing wake up from me. But those people, when you wait, they wake up and their eyes open, and they're going, hallelujah, amen. Isn't this a great day? And you're just saying, tone down the color just a little bit. Just bring down the color a little bit, Okay? I really think in our Christian life that, that celebration is something that, that builds. Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. It's something that builds. Nathan Foster, he, he's written a book called The Making of the Ordinary Saint. He says this, Celebration is the one, one of those things that does not diminish with us. Rather, it multiplies. Celebration begets celebration. Joy begets more joy. Laughter begets more laughter. I have found that the times of genuine celebration have the potential to bring healing and wholeness to the entire community. When we look back in the Old Testament, God prescribed seven different feasts. Seven different feasts. That's like one feast every other month. I'll give you a challenge at the end. But, but that is something that we need to remember, that God wanted his people to celebrate, to remember what he has done, to look forward to the future. So what is what brings us to that place of celebration? How do we get there? Nehemiah in, in, says in, in 8.10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So where does that come from? And I believe it comes from being in the presence of God. I know that as I preach, I can oftentimes be, I feel like I, have I been too much of a cheerleader? Like, come on, rah, 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 say amen. You know, am I too much of a cheerleader here? I don't want to be a cheerleader. None of us need a cheerleader. What we need is we need the presence of God. Because His presence does something in us that transforms us, that changes us, to be able to truly do this before Him. Joy comes when we recognize God's working in our lives. And so it's best done when we pause and we reflect and we express gratitude to God. I know how many of you are familiar with a, a, a man named John Ortberg. Uh, he's been out there for many years, a preacher. He uh, now has this little uh, devotional he does every day. You can find him on www.becomenew.me. Um, if you want that information, I've got it on a sheet back in the back. But here's the deal. He does a 16-week series on gratitude. Because if I was going to, if I was going to put this in layers, I would say gratitude is, is right here. Being able to celebrate, you have to have gratitude. You have to have gratitude in your life. Which, you build up gratitude... It brings you to the place that you have this joy inside of you and you have this joy that it no longer could be contained and you have to celebrate. You have to do something with it. So if you don't have gratitude in your life, then it's easy to stay 
in a place of darkness. It's easy to stay in a place of heaviness. But as we stop and we have these moments of gratitude, it begins to transform us and change us. George Samel says, gratitude is the moral memory of mankind. So I like to call it this. We need in our lives, we need to do gratitude stacking. Gratitude stacking. And you just keep building it and building it and building it. And I would encourage you that, that if you're going, man, I want to celebrate. I want to have something to celebrate. Then, then begin to gratitude stack in your life. Pause each day. Take a sticky note. Write in your journal. Start off and just say, my three gratitudes for today are this. I, this is not original. John Ortberg, he, he does a great job. I'm telling you, you should go and watch that teaching. It's great. I know a few of you have. So this morning, I sat down at my desk, and I have my little place that I go. It's my little, my little den, and I, I go in there and turn the heat up, make my coffee. Then I go back in with my coffee cup. I set it down. I don't turn on any lights. And I sit in my chair, and I spend my first 10 minutes just silence. And as I sat in my chair and I looked up today, I saw the stars. I haven't seen the stars in a long time. So when I got to the place of, of my gratitude, I wrote in there, my first gratitude was, Lord, thank you for showing me the stars this morning. I am so grateful to see the stars. And then I thought, Lord, I am so grateful I have sight to see the stars. Yeah? Pretty simple. And then I thought about my day, and I thought, you know, yesterday I spent almost the entire day in my shop making sawdust. It was fantastic. I was a little beaver in there. And I said, God, thank you. I'm so grateful for my shop that I could enjoy it. And I started a gratitude stack. Final piece. Celebration is best done with a group of people. It really is. I mean, I can dance all by myself, and really, I should, okay? <laughs> Nobody needs to see me dance. It's not good. But there is something about celebrating with a group of people. And sometimes you don't need any excuse other than to celebrate. So when you think about um, Psalm, or Luke chapter 15, and I'll bring this to a close here. Luke chapter 15, we have the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And you know what happens when, they find, when she finds, when the sheep is found, when the coin is found, when the son comes home? What happens? And, and what do they do? Do they do it alone? No, they bring, they have a whole group of people together to celebrate. It's best done in community. It's best done in community. Two Saturdays ago, we gathered here to celebrate 
Art Carnelson. Yeah. And it was both a grieving but a celebration, wasn't it? It was filled with some tears and laughter. But it was best done with a group of people. It really was. Our house church just happens to be in our house church that this past week we've had three men have birthdays all in the same week. And the total years of living are 190. Imagine if I had George in our group. <laughs> He's 99. And so you know what we're doing on Wednesday? We're gathering together. It's an excuse to, to celebrate. It's an excuse to party. And we're gathering together and we're going to celebrate all three birthdays together in our house church. It's fantastic. A good excuse. Good excuse. So here's the spiritual practice. Spiritual practice that I want to give you is one. Again, you can find it on the sheet or you can go on the webpage on Monday and you'll find the message and you'll find the spiritual practice there. I want to encourage you to begin to list your gratitudes daily. Grab a piece of paper. My wife has a gratitude journal. Gratitude. And just daily, start to stack your gratitudes until it just becomes this overwhelming. Because when you are not doing well, go back to your gratitudes and go, look where God has been. Look what he has done. Look what he's provided. You are great, Lord. Secondly, I would encourage you to celebrate the goodness of God. Maybe it's music, and maybe you find a song and you just crank it. Maybe you dance. Maybe you write poetry as a way of celebration. Maybe you read poetry. Maybe you make your favorite dessert. Or you, or you, or you barbecue your favorite meat, and you bring people together and you celebrate. But talk to your friends. Talk to your house church. Devise a plan to celebrate. Maybe it's combining birthdays together. Maybe it's just getting a group of people together and simply saying, we're just going to share a meal together and celebrate that we can do this. Maybe you have some new neighbors that move in and you get to invite them over with other neighbors. Maybe it's just gathering together and has, no food is involved, but you just share your favorite verses with each other and you celebrate the goodness of God. As I said, there were seven different feasts that God put upon Israel to remember. That's about one every other month. Maybe get your calendar out and just schedule some celebration. Anticipate what is going to come. Again, I want to tell you, celebration is best done with a group of people. Doesn't mean you can't do it alone, but it's best done with a group of people. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that you give us a reason to celebrate, that we see throughout the Bible your people celebrating your name. God, this is a way of us coming back to you and just saying you are great and mighty, oh God. 
It's a way of remembering that every breath that we breathe is because you have given it to us. Lord, as you hear me say so often, saying, thank you, God, that today you woke me up and invited me to be part of your day. God, may this be a day that we can worship you, that we can celebrate you, that you are a good God. Even in the midst, Lord, and I know people are going through hardships here. I know they're going through difficult times. But even in the midst of that, we can still say, thank you, Lord. I will give you my praise. I will give you my thanksgiving. For you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.